Luke, the ninth chapter. We're going to go all the way towards the end of the chapter, down to verse 57 to start. If you want, if you want rich history, just read just that one chapter in the book of Luke and see how many mighty exploits Jesus did just within that one chapter. It is amazing what God has done. Here we go. Verse 57. I'm looking at the King James, but I'm trying to decide whether to read in King James or Amplified. Let me, uh, let me read it out of the Amplified. Verse 57. And it occurred that as they were going along, speaking of Jesus and the disciples, along the road, a man said to him, Jesus, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. How many have ever had that in your heart? God, I'll go wherever you go. I want to follow you to the fullest. How many of that was your heart's cry when you first came to Christ? Just whatever you want, God, I'll do it. All right? So Jesus answers him. And Jesus told him, foxes have lurking holes. And the birds of the air have roosts and nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now, why would that be the answer that he gives? The man says, hey, I'm willing to follow you wherever you go. And Jesus gives the, the oddest answer to us. He goes, well, let me just tell you this. Birds have a home. Foxes have a home. But me? I ain't even got a home. He was testing this person's resolve. Are you willing to give it all? Are you willing to give it all? Look at your neighbor and say, are you willing to give it all? Mm -hmm. That's an appropriate question. Verse 59, and he's. And he said to another. Now look how he answered this man. <laughs> this man said, Lord, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And Jesus just turned to him and said, Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but I have nothing. And then he turns to another person and says, Become my disciple and side with my party and accompany me. He didn't give this guy a complete answer. He let him stew over what it meant and whether it was worth it. And then turns. Can you imagine how this guy felt? I'm going to follow you wherever you go. <laughs> and he turns to someone else and goes, why don't you follow me? As if this guy hadn't asked. <laughs> Don't get nervous on me. Look at this. But he replied, the one Jesus asked, he replied, Lord, permit me first to go and bury or wait for the death of my father. Jesus said unto him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and publish abroad throughout all regions the kingdom of God. 
And another also said, I will follow you, Lord, and become your disciple and side with your party. But let me first say goodbye to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back to the things behind is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, I could get real deep into this, but the reason I'm actually preaching from this text is from a conversation that I recently had with the Lord. I had a personal conversation the other day with the Lord, and the Lord said something to me and referred me back to this scripture. There's a lot of meat in this. This is talking about the all-out sellout. Slap your neighbor a high five if you've already experienced the all-out sellout. The all-out sellout is I'll follow you, God, no matter what the condition, no matter where it's at, no matter what I have to leave behind, no matter, no matter what I have to put in front of things that seem important to me, the kingdom comes first. That is the implication that Jesus is giving here. And when this man said, I'll follow you, Jesus was letting him know, really, because you have a life of comfort, you'll step out of your life of comfort and come follow me, a man who has no comforts, no earthly comforts in this mission here on life. in life. Is that, is that the life you truly choose? Then he turns to another and says, why don't you follow me? He's getting to the heart of these people for a learning opportunity. This guy says, well, let me go. Now, some scholars say that, that his father was already dead, had been dead a while, and that he was just waiting for that time as the oldest son of the family to collect his father's bones out of the tomb and put them in an ossuary box and, and put that box away for posterity. But nonetheless, Jesus tells him, let the dead bury the dead. And then another one says, hey, I want to go, but can I just run home and tell my family I'm going on this mission with you? And Jesus is trying to get across to them the understanding that once you sell out, once you become kingdom-minded, you have to forget about all of the things that pull at you in this life so that you can carry about his mission in the fullness. This isn't about the actions that these people asked. It's about the heart of the people who are asking. There's nothing wrong with taking care of your family. There's nothing wrong with burying your family. There's nothing wrong with those things. But Jesus is checking their heart. Would you put that on hold? Would you let someone else in the family collect your father's bones and you come with me if this is truly important to you? And so he's, he's leaving them with this understanding. Now, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Philippians, the third chapter. If you don't have your Bible, and surely you have an electronic device, if you don't have one of those, we need to get you one. Philippians, the third chapter. Philippians, the third chapter. 
starting with the eighth verse. This is a little wordy because it's amplified, but, but bear with me. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. Yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, the supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, of perceiving and recognizing and fully understanding him more fully and clear. For his sake I have lost everything and consider it all to be mere rubbish, refuge, and dregs in order that I might win or gain Christ, the anointed one. Just prior to this, he's been teaching of how he's blameless in the law of religion. But once he found out there's a relationship with God, he counted everything he'd ever learned as rubbish. Verse 9. And that I may actually be found and known as in him, not having any self-achieved righteousness that can be called my own, based on my obedience to the law's demands, ritualistic uprightness, and supposed right standing with God thus acquired. In other words, I'm thankful I found out that there's a relationship and not me trying to be righteous by submitting to some law somewhere. But, pos but possessing that genuine righteousness which comes through faith in Christ, the anointed one, the truly right standing with God, which comes from God by saving faith. For my determined purpose is that I may know him and that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which exerts over believers, and that I may also share his sufferings as to be continually transformed into his likeness, even to his death in hope. That if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while in this body. Not that I have now attained this ideal or have already been made perfect, but I press to lay a hold of, to grasp, to make my own that for which Christ Jesus, the Messiah, has laid hold of me and made me his own. I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own yet, but one thing I do, it is my one aspiration for getting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. So let those of us who are spiritually mature and full-grown have this mind and hold these convictions. And if any respect you, have a different attitude of mind, God will make that clear to you also. 
Only let us hold true to what we have already attained and walk and order our lives by that. Father, I thank you for the reading of your word. I pray, Father, that you'll allow me to take the thought that you shared with me the other day and make it plain and make it simple for the next few moments, Father, so that when we leave here, we have an understanding of what you're trying to say to us in 2023 as we orchestrate our lives in your purpose. We thank you for the assignment. and We thank you, Father, that we have already been asked by Jesus to follow him and our hearts are already connected. We give you the honor, the glory, the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So the other day I'm sitting in my office, my newly acquired, pretty, painted, fancy, decorated office that I probably didn't deserve but was given to me. And I was sitting in there and I was... Looking back at where we are, what's going on with Passion Church as a church, waiting for the new year, trying to figure out where are we going, Lord? What's on your heart? What's on your mind? Because I don't ever want to, for one second, be guilty of leading this thing in a direction I think it should go. I want to always have the heart of God. I don't want to follow trends in what other churches are doing or what other pastors are doing or what's trendy or what's cool or what looks good. There are those that tell me I shouldn't allow people to speak in tongues uh, in the service on a Sunday morning, but I came to know a long time ago that you can't control it if it's in you. <laughs> it's got to come out. You got to share it. You got to share your heart. We have people today who received that beautiful gift for the first time, and that is the most enhancing thing to your prayer life. It will change your life forevermore. It will change your life forevermore. We've had those that rededicated their lives to God today. That's a beautiful gift. And I'm, I make you a promise as the pastor of Passion Church. I will never compromise what I know to be true. I will not back down. I will not bend to what's popular. I will not bend. You know, most people see me as a pretty gentle, easy to get along with guy, and th that is true. But there's also a stubborn streak in me of righteous indignation that says, I will stand for the, for the statutes of the word of God until the smoke all clears in this battle. I'll still be standing on the word and the word alone, and I'm not going to let anything compromise that for me or for my life or for anyone else. Can you say amen to that? So, having said all that, I'm sitting in my office by the way, Thursday night, for everyone who came, thank you, thank you, thank you. We're not going to give up on that for the, for the remainder of the month of January. Every Thursday night is going to have an element of intercessory prayer. Last week I laid a foundation. This week I have a short thing. From now on I'll have about a 15-minute instruction, and boom, we're going to get right to prayer. If you think prayer doesn't make any difference, did you see what happened this morning in the service? Huh? Did you see what happened? Well, that was pitiful. Thank you. That's the right heart. 
<laughs> so the other day I'm sitting in the office. Mike wanted to make sure he, I heard him. <laughs> the other day I'm sitting in my office, and I don't know, you know, there, there's four basic temperament types. I happen to be a melancholy temperament type uh, for the most part. And um, we have a tendency to live in the realm of regret. I don't know very many melancholy personalities who, who are ever truly satisfied with their latest victories. Because when we see the victory, we see the places we could have been more victorious than we were. Oh, none of you have that problem. Is anyone in here like me, you've had those moments when you just don't think you're enough? Don't think you're smart enough. Don't think you're good enough. Don't think you're together enough. Okay. Now, some red personalities, they just, they just bulldoze right on through. They don't even think about it. Yellow personalities, they do it with flair. <laughs> White personalities, they're just going to go with the flow. But us melancholy blue personalities, we, just, we ride this roller coaster of emotion. And everything we do is filtered through an emotion. And I can point to some of the greatest exploits in my life that God did great things. People were changed and lives were touched. And I never lament that. But I'll always think I could have done more. Should have been better. Am I speaking to the right room? I'm sitting at my desk and I'm thinking about the last little stretch. And I'm going over some things in my mind and I'm sort of beating myself up. And I'm thinking, well, I could have done this better. None of you have ever done this. My prayer life could be better. My time in the Word could be better. My discipline could be better. My relationships could be better. I'm actually lamenting in my mind. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit within me, the God within you, stops me, literally. Because right in the middle of me going, Woe is me, I never get it right. Getting ready to cross into the, woe is me, I never get it right here either. The Holy Spirit says, he who puts his hand to the plow and looks back isn't fit for the kingdom. Isn't fit for the kingdom. Man, that hit me like a bolt of lightning. And then the Lord reminds me, Paul said, forgetting those things that are behind me, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. <laughs> so I'm going, woe is me. This is horrible. I should have never been the pastor. 
They should have put somebody, I don't know if I was going that far, but you get the idea. I don't know. This office is too nice for me. I shouldn't be here. Oh, how did this get here? How did this building, I don't know. What should I do? Help me, Lord. I'm right in the middle of that moment. None of you ever have that. You're so holy. Well, I was right in that moment, and God said, well, I guess you're not fit for the kingdom then. That's the last thing you want to hear God say to you. I guess you're not fit for the kingdom. If I'd have been on the counseling desk talking to somebody else, I would have knocked that in the head. But because it was me having my own little pity party, I had streamers and hats and noisemakers. Y'all ain't never had that. When I throw a pity party, it's a good one. And so I'm just beating myself up over the wouldn't, couldn't, shouldn't. Oh, you've never done that either. Wouldn't, couldn't, shouldn't. How many of you in the middle of your walk with Christ done the stupidest thing and went, oh. Hands up, yep, yep, yep. How many of you in the middle of your walk, you actually did something sinful for a moment and caught yourself and went, oh, no. Don't raise your hand. Or I'll have to have altar call all over again. How many of you have even hurt somebody by something stupid you did? And then what we, what we do is in the human element is then we sit around and go, oh, I'm just worthless. Woe is me. The building's probably going to fall on me now. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many people have told me, I can't come to your church because the ceiling will cave in. I'm like, well, <laughs> you don't know us. <laughs> if you really understood what Christianity is about, <laughs> you, you, if the ceiling was going to fall, it would have fell. So I'm in this lament, middle of my pity party. And what I'm about to tell you, this, this does not detract from the canon of the word. It does not take away from the context and what's being said here. It's just like, the, like a diamond, the word of God. If, you, if the Holy Spirit wants to get a new hue out of something for you to get a different understanding, all he has to do is go, whoop. Just barely turn. Just barely show you something. And you'll see a new hue, a new light, a new understanding. And I'm sitting there. Woe is me. Woe is me. Why? I should have, I could have done better. You know, it wasn't, it really wasn't as bad as I'm making it out up here. But the Holy Spirit arrested me. And he said, you're not fit for the kingdom if you're going to act like this. You're not fit for kingdom use, kingdom purpose, if you're going to act like this. Think about this. 
I can, I can lament yesterday for hours and hours and days and months and years on end. I can lament my past actions. But lamenting will not change it. Worrying about it won't fix it. Crying about it only disrupts my tear ducts and makes my nose run, and we won't get into that. Lamenting yesterday won't do anything. I can't change what happened yesterday. I can only bring it to Jesus. And when I bring it to him, the one person who can make the change, he can redeem what I messed up yesterday. He can redeem it. He gave me a visual when he spoke to me and he said, look, he who puts his hand to the plow and looks back isn't fit for the kingdom. He gave me that visual. I wish I had one of those hand plows. I should have I got a hold of the harps. I'll bet they have one at home somewhere. I could have brought that in. But I got this, this visual in my mind. I'm just going to put this down for a second. Can you see it? Did you catch that over there? You can't plow straight if you're looking behind you. You can't do something productive if you're going to always live in your past. You are worthless in the kingdom if all you're going to do is struggle with, cry about, whine about, and hold yourself to your past. Some of the biggest struggles I have in counseling with people is getting them out of the past. Because we have this tendency to want to live there. Because most of us have in our mind voices from our past that tell us we were either dumb or stupid or no good. And I can guarantee you if you were picked on on the playground in the third grade, you remember. You could have somebody tell you wonderful things and that just slips right out of the bottle for some reason. But let somebody tell you you were no good, you were backwards, you were broken, you, you can't do it, you can't fix it, you're stupid. And that sticks with you for a lifetime. The enemy keeps bringing it around. But now, let me qualify what I said. I cannot lament yesterday because I cannot change it. But Jesus can redeem it. But he didn't say, I can't reference my past. He said, I can't dwell in it. 
When Pastor Colleen got up here and spoke of her past, she wasn't speaking as someone lamenting her past. She was speaking as someone who's been redeemed from her past. And when she shared it, it was effective and it touched hearts and it touched lives and it changed the order of our service. You cannot change yesterday or its failures. Even if your failures are steeped in great regret, you can only change it by moving past it in forward momentum. If I camp around, can, can I just be honest with you? People who suffer poverty mentality, you can give them a million dollars, and they will squander it and blow it because they've never stepped out of their past. People who struggle with addiction struggle with addiction because they refuse to step out of the past. You can't go back to where you came from if you're going to move forward in the kingdom in Christ. You cannot play around in your past or your past behaviors. You will get trapped in your past behaviors. And it will hold you like an anchor. It will hold you down, hold you back, and keep you from the forward momentum that God has for you. This is why Paul said, I forget everything that was behind me. There was a lot of things I could brag about in my past, but I've realized that in Christ, none of it makes any difference whatsoever because it didn't attain to me righteousness. It was just me applying religious knowledge. But a relationship with Christ, he's able to redeem all of that mess back there and give me entrance into the kingdom and give me purpose for today and put my hands to the plow in a forward momentum so that I am moving forward with every step and every step is gaining momentum in the kingdom and Seeds are being planted behind me, and soon there'll be a harvest behind me because I've got my hand to the plow, and I'm not worrying about yesterday. I'm only worried about what God is going to do with me today. My concern is him and carrying forth his kingdom. My concern is just being the best me I can be in the middle of his forward progress. Oh, yes. In Philippians, the third chapter, the 8th through the 16th verse, Paul tells us that faith brings us to God. And faith keeps us in God. And prior to what I read to you, Paul was talking about the days of his arrogancy and his abilities and achievements in his past. But that led him into murder. Now think about that. If anyone should have been counted out, it should have been Paul. Because he let his religious zeal rise up against others and commit murder. Religion without relationship is dead. You're just as dead as the person who has no religion at all. 
you're just going through the motions. But if you've had a heart connection with Jesus Christ, boom, the past has fallen behind you. And now you step into the kingdom progress of forward momentum in God. And your past, for a lot of us, we feel our past counts us out. Yet Christ arrested Paul in the middle of his murderous rampage, right in the middle of it, and made him not only a believer, but a disciple and eventually an apostle. So I don't care how bad you've blown it today in the past, you have a future in God. No matter how far you've gone, in the past, it does not dictate your future if you let Christ redeem your past. Paul was telling about his religious zeal and how he was blameless. But religion alone does not save a man. Religion only fueled the fire of prejudice and hatred for Paul. But one encounter with Jesus changed him inside out. And the moment he had that encounter, it stripped his religion bare. So he's telling a group of Jewish believers to count all of your Abrahamic rites and your Mosaic religious order as a waste, a byproduct of something that is no longer of use or purpose in man's life. You belong to Christ. You live in his grace. You hold on to him by faith because he is the sum total of God and he represents God in the fullness according to Colossians 2 and 9. So stop trying to live on your own achievements. They are dung fall fully into Christ. Paul's greatest desire was to understand and to live in the fullness of Christ's resurrection power. The power that brings life. The power that took death and, and took horizontal death and vertically stood it up in life. I'm going to share something with you. It has nothing to do with my message, but it fits. Science has picked apart the Shroud of Turin over and over and over. And in the 70s and 80s, they tried, some naysayers came along, and they tried to carbon date the material to make it out that this thing was a phony and a fake. If you don't know what the Shroud is, it was the burial cloth of the Messiah. Since then... By measuring the right places in that cloth, they have found it dates exactly to the time of Jesus. It bears pollens and grains from the region where Jesus alone would have lived. They have studied it from every direction, and the imprint that is upon that cloth is burnt so just on the very surface of that cloth, not down into it. They have studied it from every angle, and now 
with the scientific breakthroughs that we have, they're able to study it more and more intently and more and more and more. The scientific community is saying this must have been the burial cloth of Christ. The reason I'm saying this is I just mentioned his resurrection power. Science now says, recently, a few months ago, they were saying that it appears that there's movement in that image as though the image that's burnt into that cloth is breathing. They have confirmed that it has over 600 marks from those 39 stripes on that body. That the body's been through so much trauma that it's as if it was horribly mangled in a car accident. They've tested the blood on that cloth and it is one of the rarest on earth. And recently they discovered that the image, the way that it's burnt both front and back onto that cloth that was draped over the Messiah, the way that image is there, that the power, I can't even tell you how they measure it, but the power that hit that cloth was far greater than any lightning or any atomic blast on earth. I don't understand that. And they say now, having studied the cloth, that the only way it could have been burned in there the way that it is, front and back, in a 3D effect, because they can take and study that and lift that, that image off of there in 3D effect. They say the only way that can be is that in that moment of resurrection power, in the pow that the body laying between those two pieces of cloth was elevated between them. It raised him off of the slab. Bam! And burned his image into the cloth. And it is that resurrection power, bam, that changes my past. It is that resurrection power, bam, 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 that wipes out my excuses and my laments over my mistakes uh, yesterday and the day before that and the months and the years before that. Because even if I have a momentary slip, bam, I'm walking in the resurrection power of Christ Jesus. And as long as I'm not looking back, I've got kingdom purpose and I'm moving forward into what it is God's called me to do. And I'm going to change a generation. Bam! Because the power of God is in me. He brought me out of death into life. And I don't have to go back to the past. I don't have to run back and worry about my life and how it's all going to work out. I don't got to worry about mama. I don't got to worry about these things. God's got control of every man, woman, boy, and girl on this earth. And if I'm going to follow him, I'm going to give him my all. I'm going to get in an all-out sellout and bam! I'm going to change my world. Yes. 
Yes. There's more on this paper. But that was yesterday. Bam. Bam. Father, I thank you for your resurrection power. I thank you for the hope that is in the gospel of Christ Jesus. I thank you, Father, that you left behind traces, Father, not only in the word of God, which we can hold to and cling to and believe, but you even left little artifacts, Father, to remind us of the resurrection power of Christ Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that in you, is all that we need. The sum total of life is wrapped up in Christ Jesus and living inside of us. We have all we need. I do not have to lament yesterday. I do not have to cry about my yesterday. I do not have to worry about my yesterday. All I have to do is walk out of it and walk into you. So I dedicate the remainder of my life of walking into you. And not worrying, fretting, or lamenting my past. God, I thank you. And I praise you for your power. With every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment, I know we've already had altar call here today. But you're here today. And what I've been preaching about, that lament of the past and that living in the past and that living in regret and that living in worry, that living in fear, that's you you ain't afraid to raise your hand. Just raise it up because I want to pray for you. Yes, 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 yes. Just keep it up. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for these whose hands are raised all across this building. Father, it's time we come out from among them and be separate. It's time, Father, we come out of the world into the fullness of the kingdom. It is time we live in the now. It is time that we live moving forward with the plow, not looking back. God, there's too little time and too much work to do. So, Father, I give you my past. I give you my worries. I give you my laments. I give you my, my grumblings and my complainings, God. I hand them to you, and I walk away from them, and I walk out in the hope and the fullness of Christ Jesus. For all the days of my life, Father, will be yes and amen. I am not going to waste another moment in the past. I'm not going to waste another moment messing up my life. I'm not going to waste another moment not being effective for the kingdom. I'm not going to waste another moment not reaching my world. Your mission is far too important for me to play around. So I repent. I repent. And by faith, I continue my walk. I'm not going to spend another minute in there. If I've hurt anyone, bring them to my mind, Lord, and I'll run and make that right. But I'm not going to let the devil invite me to a pity party that I don't deserve. I'm going to live for you all the days of my life. Father, I give you honor. I give you glory. I'm going to have the altar open if you want prayer of any kind. This altar will be open if you need healing, if whatever the need would be. I need three. Give me four lit students. You can make your way 
to the altar with me. And if you have a need today, this is the time. Exceptional. Exceptional. So if you have anything that you need prayer for in any way, any direction, thank you, sir. I want you to just come now and meet with one of these. Let them pray with you. Let them share with you. Let's bring it to the Lord. Now, when you come, believe that you receive. When you come, believe that you receive because God's got something for you. If you need to go at this time, we understand. But don't go before your family. Don't go before you shake hands and hug necks and be a part of one another's life. I love you. God bless you. We consider this service dismissed.